On this episode of A State of Control, we talk about the importance of training and certifications. Where did they start out? How far they've evolved? And what are their true importance and value? All that and more on A State of Control. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. A State of Control. A State of Control, Episode 81, Ego Problem. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support. Welcome to A State of Control, an AV Nation podcast that highlights the control programming and automation aspects of the audiovisual industry. My name is Steve Greenblatt. I'm your host, and thanks for joining us today. So we're going to talk about the importance and the value of training and certifications. And I think that's going to be a, an enriching topic that a lot of our audience will be able to relate to. And as we get into that, I will introduce our guests who have a lot to share. But before we do, I'd like to say hi to my partner here at State of Control, Rich Fragosa. How are you, Rich? I'm doing good, brother. It's good to be back on as we are hopefully quickly moving back to normal. So mellow West Coast greetings. We're actually finally getting the weather for it. Yes, it's starting to happen here as well. Well, good to see you. I'd like to move on to two returning guests, but it's been a while since we've seen either of them. The first one comes to us from Arizona, and his name is Scott Samsel from Greenpoint TDI. Welcome back, Scott. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. And this, the last but not least comes to us from Canada, uh, and he uh, is a Crestron CSP and also is runs Pro AV School and his name is Dustin Berg. Welcome, Dustin. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for being here. So we all know that that training is an important part of what we do and an important part of any type of a technical career. It's a, you have to stay up to date on on information and technology. You have to be able to have a a, a way of being able to evolve skills and also through certifications and other accolades be able to demonstrate your your knowledge and and uh your accomplishments your uh, to and skill level um so today we're going to we're going to dive into to some of those details and and explore the the different value and importance of training and rich um when we first started doing this, and I know you, I start a lot of shows saying that uh, training was a whole different thing, and, and that's for a different conversation that we can we could talk about. But you know, it's come a long way, and it's become a lot more formalized and enriched. The content has become a lot more vast, and and the certifications have become a lot lot deeper, um, and and technically challenging, honestly. Uh, so for somebody new that's coming into this industry, where, where do they start when, when it comes to, to training and, and what, what's, what should their goals be to, uh, in achieving, uh, different certifications? Well, I mean, the, the first part, I mean, it's, it's, you know, in sales, you've always got the ABCs, right? Always be closing. And I think from the technical side, you've got the ABLs, right? Always be learning. Um, 
So a big part of it is, you know, we do have trade organizations that do spend considerable amounts of time creating education frameworks and trying to lay these steps out apart from manufacturer trainings, but just industry uh, in general. And, and so the first part, I think, is that the companies that they're working for should be focusing on giving their new employees steps to be able to increase their, their technical skills and whether they're in the field, whether it's the sales side, the management side, and the programming side. Obviously, we're gonna be talking about the programming side because that's that's what our shows are, are centered around. Uh, but the, the skill set for programmers um, is, is starting to separate. And, and you have technicians who are going to be trained to commission and, and, and take care of the basics of putting a project through. That's a whole lot different, and Scott will agree to this, than software development. Software development is a completely different animal. And so it, it does become what is a programmer? Who is a programmer in AV? How are we using that term? Because again, are we configuring? Are we configurators? Or are we developers? And so we're using that programming term kind of as the big umbrella as what we explain to the end user. But internally, organizationally, and in our industry, there is a much bigger distinction now whether you are hiring developers or you're hiring technicians with software skills. Um, and, and, and that does create a different career path for somebody new coming in. Uh, you know, somebody new coming in, if they are looking to be part of developing a product for a company as we move to software as a service for programming companies, integrators, and everybody else, then you're looking for somebody who is going to be bolstering their computer science degree. That's far different than somebody who comes in from the technical side, and we're going to focus on the CTS side of things, you know, still knowing the basics of engineering. And a software engineer and a hardware engineer and electrical engineer, they have engineering as a background and they may have some classes that they take in the beginning that lays the foundation for them. But you make some very quick distinctions between them. And so a big part of it is as an employer, um, determining what is it you're looking for? What is it you're gonna grow your company to be? And, and so are you having a mix of both that's great, but you have to be able to give these new employees coming in the, the right tools and the right path to go down. And so, I mean, it's a long way of saying, hey, hey, look, you know, it, it's if you're going to be a code jockey, you now have to embrace the greater software development community. No longer is specialized AV programming the only way that you're going to get a job. If that's what you're looking for, and again, this is different than 20, 25 years ago, um, your job opportunities are going to be a far less and your career longevity possibly gets shortened. Scott, I'll, I'll bring you into this because I know you've invested a lot, quite a lot in, in training and, and, um, and really a commitment to, to manufacturers and, and their platforms. But you also have a team and you, you also do software development, just like Rich said. When you're looking at the value of knowing that somebody has a certain level of a certification within AV versus a, a broader knowledge of, of, of software development languages, let's say, um, how do you weigh them? Like, which, which 
is more important. This is a very interesting point and, and pretty much something that, um, you know, probably set up the reasoning for, for this, uh, um, for this meeting, which is as an employer, not just as a, as an employer, but as an employee, how inside of the industry, industry that we've been around in for so long, some of us have, but some the um, the new people that are coming in don't have a clear path right now because they're hearing so many different things. Um, so when, when I'm brought where, when I'm looking at those characteristics for our company, we do multiple different, um, um, genres, let's say. Um, so if I'm looking for somebody that's strictly, uh, an AV expert, they might fit into a different category because that's a big chunk of our business being able to commission, deploy, and, and, and run manufacturers, uh, manufacturer code. And then there's the um, B2B stuff that we do, as well as direct to end user development that we do, that, that goes into that arena as well. So we cater our software development towards this industry. So if I'm looking at that, I'm looking at a kind of a combination of, of both. The biggest thing that, that I could take away from this is it's not the skill set coming in. How willing is that employee to be able to stick, move, learn, and grow? How committed are they to their career? And that becomes, to me, that becomes more of a uh, of a personnel thing more than anything. And I don't think other people could say the same. If if a, if an AV integrator is looking for a current manufacturer um, person to be able to hire, they might have a different requirement. They have a different set, um, set of um, standards of what they're looking for a day-to-day in that person. So it gets really confusing right now because you can have somebody at the top of the manufacturer level um, that doesn't have any experience and doesn't have any ability or want or need to be able to go into software development, but can still have a very successful career inside the AV industry. So to answer your question, it completely depends. <laughs> I love that because I say that quite a bit and, and I yeah. would agree with you too. And one of the things that I found is that your skills need to be able to be translatable to the environment in which you need to apply them. Absolutely. So you could be very effective at one level in one place, but that may not translate over well in another place or vice versa. Yeah, um, it's, it's very interesting and it deals with uh, human dynamics and as well as you know, being an employer and as well as an HR resources person and trying to be able to deal with these individuals. So it goes bigger than that. Um, and I'm not trying to take anything there, but it's, it's, it's fun just because we're so split in, in this industry is so diverse. So, uh, Dustin, I'll, I'll bring you in to uh, comment. Uh, somebody who not only is, um, looking to advance their knowledge and, and, and continuing, continuing learning. Uh, you also provide uh, resources for other people who are trying to learn. And in doing so, you, you're, uh, it looks to, to me, I would seem trying to fill the gaps that, are being, that, that may be left open from, from manufacturer resources, let's say. Um, 
when you're talking to to people who are interested in in what you have to offer and and are looking to advance their career what what is it that is important to them i think um accessibility of the information is something that um the more rigid manufacturer training is kind of struggle with um this is probably like my experience with av i've been in the industry for probably 20 years i'd have to do some <laughs> do some math but um i i've always worked for most of the time i worked for smaller dealers and when you're working for a smaller dealer especially up in western canada you don't always have a lot of training opportunities you have to be sent somewhere um i think this is also um more prevalent with people that are outside of north america where there's not they can't just jump on a on a little on a plane or jump in a car and go to a training center. It's like a big thing for them to, so that's kind of like when I say it's not, not as approachable, I think that's one of the things the online stuff is helping a lot. Um, that's kind of a recent trend kind of COVID kind of pushed us in that direction a lot that we should have been doing that anyways. But, um, I think it's, um, people that are working in smaller companies that have to do like a lot of things, they get, um, just like wearing a bunch of hats, they get dumped, they'll do the programming, do the install, do this, do that. Um, they need to get it done and they're the guy to do it or the, the girl to do it. So they need to figure out some information somehow. And I think our industry is kind of sort of a walled, um, garden where if you're not, if you're not on the right track, you can't really, even if you're a dealer, it's hard to find the right information sometimes. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to help with is to make things more accessible without like giving away the farm without, um, like kind of breaking any, any walls that are there on purpose. I'm just trying to make things accessible to people that are already working with the products. Rich, uh, I, uh, we'll, we'll kind of turn, turn the dial up a little bit on this, you know, when it comes to like, you know, in the early days, getting a certification was 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 a lot more attainable than it is now let's say <laughs> and uh and 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 there you know one of the the side conversations that i i contributed to this episode and and uh you know was was the you know how do those skills translate so so you may have had the you, you may have gone through the training many years ago and been able to to gain a certification and right that that is equivalent to a certification now but was a lot different to to be able to achieve <laughs> so how should that be looked at it's you know it's a bit of a con controversial conversation it is and it's a good one um first off the industry is different okay and again the you have the group of people who started 20, 25, 30 years ago. Again, I'm not going to expect a programmer to have the ability to solder um, a 25-pin serial cable. That, that's an antiquated skill. That's a skill I learned. That's a skill that I was taught. That was, you know, if push came to shove, I could do it. But there's not many more 25-pin connectors out there anymore. So you also have to remember that you know, I, I mean, there was a time where you needed, uh, you know, people to shovel coal into locomotives. You needed people to repair steam engines. You know, I mean, there, there, there is a transitioning in the industry. 
here's the controversial part. Manufacturers as a whole in our industry are doing a lousy job of supporting the dealers in helping to attract talent to the AV industry. They are shooting themselves in the foot because they don't quite know how to do it yet. And so there's this gap right now where manufacturers, some of them are looking at how do we minimize the programming aspect, the software development aspect, and have looked and said, how do we develop this in-house to increase the configuration base? Dealers who are looking for talent, because there's work out there, are competing with software companies. They're competing with startups. Now, post-COVID, work from home is a much bigger asset in the soft, in the, I'm gonna call it the true software development community. Not that we don't do software development in our industry, but we do specialized software development, right? It is, it is there is a specific function that we perform when all is said and done. There's a lot more technology companies out there every day starting up than there are AV companies. And so, and again, this is going back to the employer side as well. Let's, let's just say, you know, you're a CSP or you're a small shop or something. Um, you also have to make the decision that you ain't gonna hire somebody who wants to come in just out of the goodness of their own heart. And they're just gonna say, yeah, I'll throw 200 hours of unpaid time at this because I wanna get better. If that's your approach as a business owner, you're not gonna be around for long because you are not a value add anymore. Which means then there, there's, there's some critical junctures that are occurring in our AV programming community because we are expecting more, but what we provide isn't growing at that same scale. And that's a dangerous position to be in this industry because we almost create an environment where we exclude the ability for new hires to come in. You know, I, I live in Silicon Valley. I'm in the heart of it. And so if I were to go ahead and place an ad right now for a junior software developer, I'm competing with 700 other postings <laughs> who would, with, with legitimate companies who have financial backing, who said, yeah, we'll pay you out of the get-go. Here's your training courses. Here are the requirements that you've met maybe with your college degree, but the rest of it, we're gonna spend the next year or whatever it is putting it together. Here's how we work in a team environment. Here's how we collaborate. Here are the open source crowd sharing tools that we have. Here are the real software development tools that we've generated for our process. I can guarantee less than 10% of the programming companies in our industry have that approach. That is a problem. And what's happening right now is we are a little, it, it, sometimes I talk about we have the identity crisis where we're unsure of who we are as an industry. We also have an ego problem at times in our industry where we just expect, of course, people are going to want to work for us. This is going to be fun. Fun don't pay the bills. You know, it, we need to attract talent. And if you're going to attract good talent, you have to have a process to develop good talent. And that's where our biggest gaps are right now. We've, we've got this dissonance right now. And how does that get solved? Right now, that's gonna require smarter people on the manufacturing level than me. Because I think just what Dustin was saying, 
I mean, when you have a hard time just finding information to simply explain it to a new hire of how you're going to give them a path with the software tools that are currently there, and they ask, well, how do I develop this? I don't know. We got five different you know, Google searches that we pulled up and there's this guy over here who threw together a YouTube video <laughs> and here's what we've developed in-house. So yeah, the people who've developed an in-house and have a process and are creating their own internal structure, that's great. That serves that company. It doesn't serve the industry. And so that becomes the problem because say you've got a company, you know, Scott, does phenomenal development work, right? He's also not going to give up the secret sauce for no reason. Why? Why put himself at a competitive disadvantage? So industry-wide, there has to be that decision of how are we collaborating? We still have those problems right now. Everybody's still trying to guard their secret sauce when we're all still doing the same stuff. And that goes back to the organization level and working with manufacturing. So, you know, I don't, I don't have any great answers on that right now. I'm conflicted over it because that, that is where I worry about the fact that we're aging out as an industry. I'm not seeing 19-year-old kids coming into this industry and lasting for long. I'm seeing them come in and going, yeah, why? When I can go ahead and, you know, I, I, I can go ahead and get different postings from, from, other, from other outside industry paths. I, I, I don't think I could, could have added more to that because I think you're, you're spot on in, in so many levels. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot to, to unpack there. I'll... I'll, I'll um, uh, kind of go over to to Scott and you know talk about um, bringing somebody new onto a team. It there's a there is that dilemma between the investment in paying for somebody who has their certifications already or has this learning under their belt, um, and being able to know how they're going to translate. Um, it, which is can be risky, or paying for them to get them, and, and what, what, what um, are, are, I guess, is it are the manufacturers the best way I get to bring somebody up to speed? Well, currently, right, right now, the answer to that question would be yes. Ultimately, on where we think it should go, the answer would be no. We've been relying on manufacturers in this industry since the beginning. Um, I don't see that changing anytime soon. It's morphing, but I don't know about seeing it change, um, especially when there's not an actual career path. There is, like you said, uh, Rich said, organizations. Um, other than that, there's not a, a true um, you know, pathway. So manufacturers are the way to be able, uh, are definitely the way to be able to get there. Um, in my opinion, though, going back to what your original question that you were hitting on is, is um, being able to retain employees. What you're bringing up has been the age old AV story since the, you know, in, in my case, since the middle early 90s, um, which is it's so small of, a, of an environment um, community. Um, by nature, employ employers were never, as a whole, were never open to um, externally training their their uh, their employees, and the certifications were almost um, not looked at. More along the lines of that was on your own time. 
um, as opposed to being a value add to the to the industry. This is where I step up and put my foot down and say, no, for me, it means everything for the employer to be able to put their employees on a pathway to success. Manufacturers are right now are the really the only way to be able to truly do that. Not the only way, but one of the only ways. Yeah, sure, there's, there's, there's college classes that can be taken and what have you for people that don't have the background, and that's surely something that, uh, um, um, that my company will pay for, continuing education. But we're talking about manufacturer training, and the fear is, is that you're either going to lose this individual, they're going to ask for a raise, um, um, or something to that effect. Nobody's ever thinking of, having all of these educated employees, if I retain them, puts my company at a higher rate in the competition scale. And so do we bill at higher rates? We have, we don't all the time, but we bill at separate rates and I splash our certifications everywhere known to man in, in, in every sales um, environment that I go into. Because it's one, th it's one thing to tell somebody, Hey, I bet Steve, I've been doing this for almost 30 years now. I'm pretty good. When you go into a sales meeting, no, you're like, this is my portfolio. These are my references. This is my portfolio. These are our certifications. So when, when Dustin comes in and tries to get the same job, hopefully do you, you know, if, if you, if you like me, you're also comparing that um, to his portfolio and may the best man win. That's, that's how it should work, right? <laughs> um, so, so by nature, the education and certifications are extremely important to me as an employer. But as far as if I was the employee, I also see the inverse of, of that, which is my employer doesn't care about the certifications. They're not paying me. They're making me do it on my own time. It doesn't do anything at all for me or for the, my employer because they're just saying that. I, I, I see that all over the place online. They're saying that. How would they know unless their employer told them? They, they surely have work every day to be able to do. They, where do they get that work? Um, they got that work off of the back of, of the unit, the team. So, so education, company culture, um, of, of the employee to be able to see the importance of it and also giving them the respect and the time that their learning will mean something. It, it really goes towards the employer. So I, I, I also agree, you know, I think what you said is, you know, very much this, a lot of the, the same things that I believe in and, and, and have discussed, you know, I, I, I want to let Dustin weigh in because, you know, as somebody like either you're, you know, small, we're all small businesses, you know, but, and, and some of us are on the smaller side of this, of being a small business. How do you weigh the, your, the time that you put into earning or learning and also producing? Because that, that there, there's a fundamental challenge there. Yeah. I think um, it's really challenging for like an independent CSP like me, um, I I recently tried to uh, to complete another level of certification, and I ultimately I ran out of time, 
um, the experience was was pretty good. I don't feel that I lost by not completing it. I'll get it next year. But the the main thing was that it took me so much time that I could have been working on billable stuff. So it's it's challenging. You almost need to do it on the side, and that's that's hard too. Um, it, sometimes it's hard to shift gears between a big project and a big big kind of assignment type of thing. So certification has always been something for me that um, in the first half of my career, I just said, I don't, I don't need that. I need to learn the stuff. But then I realized you got to have something to show for it. You got to be marketable either as an employee or as a business. Um, like Scott was saying, you have to, you like, that's the only real measuring stick that you have that you can put out there. That's actually real and definitive that it actually says that you've done something. Um, so you need to keep building that up and you also need to keep kind of increasing your skill level because things constantly change and evolve and you, you just can't rely on what you learned 15 years ago to kind of get you through to the next thing uh, but yeah it's um i i don't have a good answer for that because i don't know how to um, set aside enough time that's not really paid to to take care of it so i guess uh isn't that the key to where we're at? I don't yeah. know. The I don't knows. We're, 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 this is where we're at. <laughs> yeah. We're in the I don't know phase of, of, our, of, our, of our industry. Yeah. But I think it's good to be increasing the knowledge. Like the stuff that I learned by trying to do this, um, this certification level was, was great. Like I hadn't pushed myself to do it until I got to this point. I'm like, okay, I'm going to, this is time to do this now. And so that was good. I find personally, and I like to use this, is that you, you're, you may not win the job based on the certification, but you may lose the job by the lack of it. Yeah. So it's it it is it needs it it needs to be be there to 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 uh, justify or or to validate your your uh, the you know a client's choice. It's the old it's the old adage of how how do you get through the front door for the meeting. It's one thing if you have, um, you know, the, the, the tongue of a viper. It's it's another thing to be able to get through that door and get the meeting. So, you know, from a sales perspective, that is important. Rich, we're about to wrap up, um, but I wanted to just give you the last word to talk uh, to, about your thoughts moving forward. Where, where do you see this and, and how, how do you, is this going to go into change and our, is our industry going to grow up? You know, I, I don't know. This this winds up being the the philosophical question, right? This is the how are you going to survive as a business? How truly? And and if this is your trade that you've decided that you're going to enter, and you do have the flip sides, right? And like Scott was saying, there it's it's a far different uh, lens you look through as an employer as an as opposed to an employee, and as an employer. Uh, there is a responsibility to your employees and, and just goodwill isn't good enough. Um, there's got to be a compelling reason to have employees. I mean, some employees who will be there will do what's required of them, nothing more, nothing less. That's fine. You, you need things to keep the business going. You, you need somebody to be there. You need consistency. There also has to be the path, and, and this is in any business, for advancement and a clear cut path 
for advancement. And it's an investment in employees as much as it's an employee's investment in the employer. And we've been bad at it, really, really bad at it. Um, you know, we have some companies who are good at it, but as a, as a whole, you know, we're not taking the lessons from all the other industries out there. There's some hubris that comes from it. Programmers are cocky to begin with, for the most part. They think they're the smartest guy in the room. That's just the nature of it. I mean, you call it for what it is. Um, but there's certain points where you can't outthink the, outthink the box. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm constantly asking myself again, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm much closer to retirement than I am to the beginning of my career. And there's a certain point where I have to decide how much am I willing to learn as opposed to how much am I willing to pass off and encourage and, and, and endorse and grow for the group of people who may take the company over after me. If the company is there after me, you know, those are the questions now that I'm dealing with. Right. Uh, and so the hardest part, and you go to any industry training, whether it's CD training, Avixa training, any of these, right, is organizationally, how are you working or not working well? How are you building? How are you growing? How are you keeping yourself from being obsolete? And, you know, it, the problem that we have is that we have manufacturers who have expectations of us, but aren't necessarily quite ready to put their skin in the game yet either, because what do you do? We have expectations of what we want from you. We have certifications we want from you. But other than we're giving you access to the product, where's the value at? How, how, you know, the partnership that's going along with it. That's tough with anything, right? Because when you're a commodity product, we're a commodity as programmers. The commodity depends on whoever's wares we're working with at that point. Manufacturer's job is to sell stuff and make money <laughs> in the most cost-effective way possible. Sometimes those are at odds with one another in terms of the programming community. It's a little bit more egalitarian, right? You know, teach one, reach one, all of those things that go with it. And so, uh, you know, will it require a shift? You know, I, I think we'll survive without a shift. Um, but I think there's just going to be a whole lot more have-nots than haves. I think there'll be companies who do it well. Um, and I think other companies are just going to scuffle and will continue on. Uh, but as an industry, I mean, do we prosper? Do we get better? You know, that's, that's where the decisions are going to lie. Right. I think we have about three or four show topics just based on that. So we'll, we'll leave it there and, uh, we'll cont continue this conversation on future episodes. Um, I would like to thank our guests and, uh, appreciate the fulfilling and enriching conversation. First, I'd like to thank, uh, Scott Samsel from Greenpoint TDI. Uh, it's been a while since you've been here, but we're glad to have you back. Uh, how could people find out more about you and uh, all of the unique things that you're, you and your company are doing? Well, visiting our web, website would be a good place to start, www.greenpointtdi.com. Um, I'm also very active and one of the founders of the uh, um, Pressure on Professionals Discord channel, or server, um, which is a great community, um, as well as uh, um, online. We... Never mind, I was going to say it. But yeah, um, um, the, the webpage is probably our best place where you can learn a lot about Greenpoint TDI and what we offer. Excellent. And uh, thanks again, uh, Dustin Berg. It's great to have you back. Uh, how can people get in touch with you, uh, learn what you're doing either as a CSP or with ProAV School? So we, we talked about um, having ways to kind of increase your, your capabilities or your skill set. So I've got kind of an independent course that I'm putting together. It's not quite finished yet, but you can go to tldrmethod.com. I bought this really cool domain. 
TLDR method, um, find out a little bit more about it and sign up for, for more information about it. Cool. Thank you. And last but not least, uh, Rich, another great show. Uh, how can people get in touch with you and uh, learn more about what you're up to? Well, if you want to find me, you can find me on the interwebs, obviously. Um, FergosaDesign.com. You can find me on Twitter at rfergosa. Um, I would encourage more checking these guys out. They're doing some pretty cool stuff. Uh, again, if you want to learn and grow in the industry, uh, seek the people uh, out who are smarter than you and better than you and figure out what they're doing and try to pattern yourselves after them. Uh, beyond that, obviously, uh, best place to find me, I hope, would be on our suite of shows here on AV Nation. Obviously, here with my good, my partner and good friend here, Steve. We've got Resi Week, AV Week, and a gazillion other shows, as well as uh, support our sponsors whenever possible. That'd be the best place. And I, I would second that. Uh, so if you want to reach me, you can reach me at Steve Greenblatt on social media or my company, Control Concepts, at the controlconcepts.net. But I, I do agree that uh, tons of great content that AV Nation is putting out at avnation.tv. And uh, please reach out to and let us know what you think. We, we really want to connect with our listeners and provide more content and, and be able to serve the audience as best and as accurately as possible. So uh, that comes from the feedback that we receive. So please reach out to Rich and me. And we'd appreciate that. But that's all we have for today at State of Control. 